Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for this beautiful day outside and beautiful day inside. That we can come and worship you, Lord. Our risen King, our Savior, our hope, our salvation. And Lord, we just pray as we take this time in your word, may your Holy Spirit just move and stir in us, speak to us. And Father, we just ask for your blessing. And that, Lord, may you be blessed in our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as I mentioned, if you're, if you're first joining us, uh, whether you're here present or, or watching online or you're watching in the future, we've been covering the book of Mark. And we started the book of Mark way back in January of last year, right, of 2022. And so it worked out that when we finish Mark, it's on Resurrection Sunday. So I, I love how it worked out and mapped out perfectly. And so uh, we've been journeying the book of Mark for over a year, about almost a year and a half. It's the shortest gospel, but, you know, it, 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 it took us that long. And I won't even tell you the next series we're going to do. It might take another seven years. I don't know, okay? But um, our journey is, if you remembered, uh, over a year and a half ago, I, I described our time in Mark as a journey, our journey through Jesus' journey of ministry. And that that journey of ministry had one single focus, one destination, And that destination was the cross. That was Jesus' focus. That's what he knew. That was his purpose. And that's what everything was building up to was the cross. And if you remember, as we started that journey, I encouraged all of us, and if you were here with us throughout our time, I encourage you to kind of put yourself, and I try to identify yourself with certain people or moments along the way. So perhaps if you've been with us all this time, perhaps you identified with maybe those who were seeking truth and purpose. Maybe you can identify with someone who's seeking truth and purpose. And you saw some of those people along the way. Maybe you identified with those who are desperately seeking healing. You saw different passages, stories of people's desperation, and they sought Jesus. And you're like, you know what? I can relate to that desperation, that need for help, whether it's healing or something else. Maybe you identified with the lack of faith that you saw, maybe even the disciples showed at different moments. And you identified like, you know what? I can relate to that. I could relate to having a lack of faith in in that particular moment. Maybe you identified with those who continuously challenged Jesus. We saw that throughout the Gospels. Jesus had his critics, his opponents. And you could relate to someone who's continuously trying to challenge Jesus. You have question after question after question. Maybe you could relate to that. Maybe you could relate to the one who received mercy. That person who Jesus stopped for and received mercy when no one else would give them a time of day or ever be close. And you can identify with someone who received Jesus' mercy. And perhaps maybe you relate to Peter 
that we've seen in the last couple weeks. You can relate to Peter's experience. He had some spiritual highs, but we saw he had some serious lows. And maybe you can relate to that moment when, G- when Peter was under pressure and under fire, when it was a moment that he could defend Christ and say, yes, I'm one of his, and he shriveled and said, I don't know what you're talking about. Perhaps you could relate to that. And maybe you haven't joined us at all. This is your first time in Mark, but perhaps hearing all these things, perhaps you can still identify with those things. Maybe you can identify seeking truth, seeking purpose, seeking help, seeking mercy, seeking forgiveness, all these things. Perhaps you can still identify with some of these things. The title of today's message is The End of the Journey. And that means we're at the end of our journey in Mark, right? But we're at the end of Jesus' ministry, his journey told by Mark. And we all know that today is the day of resurrection when we celebrate, we recognize, we honor Christ, that he resurrected from the dead. But of course, that's not the end of our journey, right? That's not the end of our journey with Jesus, That's not the end of our journey with the Lord, and perhaps, and hopefully, maybe, maybe this is the beginning of your journey with the Lord. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 16 as we wrap up the book of Mark. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark 16. Start at verse 1. It says, And when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene And Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Now, I want to stop there because we can't overlook the fact that all four Gospels attest that the first witnesses of Jesus' resurrection were women. They were the women who had ministered and followed Jesus throughout his ministry in Galilee. They were the first witnesses of Jesus' resurrection. Now, I mentioned before, right? People wonder is if this all thing is true, Christianity is true, the Gospels are true. And I've mentioned before that if you are going to perpetuate a belief, and especially one that you know is kind of false, that's not true, but you want to kind of perpetuate it anyways and spread it anyways, you want to make a case that's convincing, right? You want your heroes to look like heroes, The ones who are going to carry out and are going to be the ones who teach and who's going to be the ones in the stories that was with Jesus, you want them to be heroes of heroes, right? You want them to be known, and you want those, the story, to be believable, right? You want to make a good case so that people would believe you. Well, here's the thing, and this is not a slight for women today, but back then, women were not seen as credible witnesses, They weren't seen as credible witnesses. And if if you follow any kind of legal strategy, when you're trying to make a case, you are presenting your best witnesses. 
the most believable witnesses in order to make a case. And yet all four Gospels present the women as the first witnesses of his resurrection. Now, just on a side note, this clearly, Jesus clearly validates and honors the women who followed him throughout his ministry. Right? And anyone who kind of presents Christianity as a religion that demeans women, they don't know the scriptures. And any man who demeans women don't know their scriptures. They don't know God. They don't know God of the Bible. Because here it's clear, Jesus, he could have picked, any, God could have picked anybody. But it was the women who were the first witnesses to his resurrection. Here we see the three women Mark mentions at the cross just prior, at first opportunity, went early in the morning to honor their teacher. The first opportunity they got, they brought the spices together to anoint Jesus' body. But it's kind of funny, they might not have thought out their plan very well, right? Because on the way, they're kind of thinking, wait a second. Who's going to move the huge stone that's blocking the entrance to the tomb? Who's going to do it for us? Right? They didn't fully plan that out. But what does God say to them? I got you, right? I got my daughters. I got you. I got it all taken care of. Verse 4. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away although it was extremely large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is a place where they laid him. So when the women arrived, they were stunned. The stone was rolled away. And when they went in, they entered, and what appears to be this young man just chilling in the, inside. Right? He's just, just chilling over there. Now we know that this wasn't just some guy who came upon a stone and just like needed a resting spot. In fact, Luke tells us there was two of them. Right? So what appears to be two men there in the, in the, in the tomb there. And perhaps one was the talker and one wasn't. So maybe Mark just focused on the one who spoke. Who knows? But it's interesting. The NASB, the, the version that uh, I use, it, it says the word they were amazed. Now that Greek word can be interpreted as both thrown into terror or amazed. Now I think it would be understandable if they were amazed, right? If you're amazed at something, you wouldn't say, hey, don't be amazed. That's not a big deal. I think what the angel is saying, not that don't be amazed or that they were amazed. I think they were terrified. They were thrown into terror. Because what does the angel say? Do not be amazed. Or no, do not be terrified. Now, why shouldn't they be afraid? If I was those women or if I was anybody going expecting to see my teacher who died, I witnessed them crucify him, bury him and he wasn't there, I would be afraid. I would be afraid. But the angel says, don't be afraid. He says, you are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Take a look. Look at the place where they laid him. See, the message is clear. 
You came looking for Jesus? He's not here. He's risen. Take a look. Look where they laid him. Now, how many of you, how many of you parents ever play hide and seek with your kids in the house? Show of hands. All right. If you have not, and your kids all grown up, you missed out. But after you go home, before family dinner, say, let's play hide and seek in the house, okay? But if you did that, you remember, like, when you played hide and seek with the kids in the house, as an adult, you don't have as many places to hide, right? So one of the places that I hid was under the sheets, under the bed sheets, right? Of course, you had to make it a little obvious for the kids, right? Because if they're searching and they can't find you, they're like, you know what, I can't forget it. And they just start doing something else, right? So you got to make it a little bit obvious, right? So you put yourself under the sheets and, and you just hear them, you know, the pitter-patter. It's a lot of fun. Do it today. But I, I would have loved if Jesus would have, like, hid under the linen cloths. And they're all freaked out. And Jesus said, hey, surprise, I'm here, right? That would have been funny. But that's not what he did. They came in there. And they saw the wrappings, the cloth that he was wrapped in, and he was not there. The gospel writers wanted to make it very clear. Jesus died, he was crucified, he was buried in the linen cloth, but on that day, he was not there, he was risen. Look at the cloths, he's not in it anymore. And I think it's, this is on a side note, I didn't have this plan, but I think it's pretty God is smart. He left the cloths there. Because if you're going to steal a dead body, you wouldn't unwrap the body. You would take the body. But the cloths were right there. God's good. God's good. Jesus declared to them on several occasions what was going to happen. After Jesus asked the disciples back in Mark 8.31 about who the people say that I am, He revealed to them, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. In Mark 10, 33, verse 34, we see, he says, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and will deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and scourge him and kill him, and three days later he will rise again. And in chapter 14, verse 28, Jesus tells him that night, But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. See, Jesus told them ahead of time, not just once, not just twice, but multiple times. This is going to happen to the Son of Man. This is what's going to happen, but I will rise again. And in fact, you know what? I'll see you later. Meet me over at Galilee, right? There is a point the Gospels gospel accounts are making and they're unified with these fundamental truths about the gospel of jesus all four gospels attest to this that jesus lived in human form that's not debatable that's not debatable that jesus existed he lived a human life right that's not debated even in secular 
You can't debate that. But also that Jesus taught and performed miracles with divine power and authority. We saw that throughout Mark. There was something different about his teaching, and what he was doing was miraculous, and the people went to him because they recognized this isn't some normal teacher, some traveling rabbi. Jesus gave cause to follow him, and people did. They followed him, they met him, walked, traveled miles to see him. And we can't debate that after Jesus ascended, people continue to follow Jesus. Jesus was tried before the Jewish council and Pontius Pilate and sentenced unjustly to death by crucifixion. All four Gospels testify to his trial unjustly, yet he was, it was the Father's plan of salvation and that he was sentenced and he was crucified. All four Undebated, not debated. And that he was, he was crucified on the day of preparation of Passover. So as the lambs who were being sacrificed for the Passover meal, Jesus was on the cross for our sin. Jesus was buried and tombed, provided by Joseph of Arimathea. They made it no mystery where they laid Jesus after the cross and who provided the tomb. Jesus resurrected from the dead, testified by many witnesses. It wasn't just one person who just said, hey, Jesus isn't there. And there was no witnesses to it. People witnessed the fact that there was an empty tomb. That's important. Not just the claim that he resurrected, but the tomb was empty. No body there. These are the factual foundations of the Christian faith. And without them, you know what we have? All we have is empty moral principles. That's all we have. If these things didn't take place, all we have believing is just these empty Morals that may sound good, but there's no promise at the end. And the Apostle Paul knew that at the central of all these foundational facts of the Christian faith, at the heart, the most important thing was that Jesus resurrected from the dead. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul talking about defending this idea of resurrection, right? He says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are then found to be false witnesses of God because we witnessed against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. And you're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep or who've died in Christ have perished. And if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Let that sink in. 
If there is no resurrection of the dead, if there's no Christian faith, all right, let me just get that. If there's no resurrection from the dead, there is no Christian faith. And when we talk about new life, we're not talking about like zombies, right? We're not talking about like walking, the walking dead or, or like, uh, you know, the last of us kind of stuff. That's not the kind of new life we're talking about here. See, Paul understands if they were just making up Jesus' resurrection, and if there is no resurrection from the dead, if there is no hope after this life, then our faith is just it's vain. We're pitiful. Have you ever thought of that? If your faith wasn't true, it's just kind of, we're kind of pitiful. We're going around you know, claiming someone died and resurrected from the dead, and this is how you should live your life. And if you think about it, he says, look, if there's no resurrection, then you know what? Not only are we perpetuating a lie, but we are false witnesses of God. See, these are devout Jewish men and women, and they were not looking for an alternative belief system. They were not searching for truth to believe in something because what they were believing in was empty. They were devout. They were certain of God. But what they discovered was that Jesus fulfilled the scriptures that they believed in. He was the one that they had hoped for, that all the scriptures testified to, and he fulfilled it. They weren't looking to abandon faith. They weren't uncertain about who God was. So he says, look, if Jesus wasn't who he says he was, if he didn't do what he did, then our faith is empty. He says in Romans 6, But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome eternal life. For the wages of sin is what? Death. But the free gift of God is the eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are the beneficiaries of Christ's sacrifice. He took our place. He took our penalty. He took our shame. We benefited from his death and resurrection, resulting in our sanctification, our eternal life in Christ Jesus. We are made holy before God. And one day we will fully realize that holiness when we're with him forever. Like right now, we're going to still struggle with sin, right? But day by day, God working in us to be more holy like him. But when we're with the Lord, that whole process is complete. We will be fully holy before God. What an awesome, awesome blessing So for the early Jewish converts, the law, everything was a foreshadowing what Jesus ultimately fulfilled. Their sin was atoned for. They have eternal life. It's paid in full. We talked Friday night about ransom, that Jesus paid the ransom. He paid the price for you. He paid the price for your freedom from sin, from judgment, from shame. He set your value with his blood. 
and his payment was in full. It wasn't in monthly payments. He didn't say, all right, I'm going to pay it in monthly installments based on how good you live your life. Can you imagine that? A lot of people fear that. A lot of people who fear getting baptized or hesitate getting baptized, they hesitate because they feel like, what if I don't live up to the life I'm supposed to live? Can you imagine if Jesus' payment for you was based on monthly installments on how good you're going to be? Praise God. Praise God that his grace covers, his love covers all our sin. That we don't have to carry the weight and the burden of being good enough for his sacrifice for us. He says, I got it. Taken care of in full. We will never be worthy enough of his grace. We can never live up to what he did for us. All we can say is, God, I want your grace. I recognize that you died for me. You did what I could not do. You did what I needed in full. And I want to receive that. I recognize you did for me. What an amazing thing to think about that we don't carry that burden anymore. We don't have to. Let's move on. Finishing Mark chapter or verse 7. But the angel says to the women, But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he said to you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The focus of Mark's gospel's account centered around Jesus' ministry. Notice Mark didn't start his narrative with his, his birth story. He didn't start it like John did, about pre, before time, and Jesus' existence before creation. We go straight into Jesus' ministry with Mark. And here he ends his account at the end of, the end of his ministry journey. In the sense, I look, he started here, led to the cross, empty tomb, boom, done. All right, it's a wrap. <laughs> now, there is a longer ending to Mark. And there is some question and debate whether that's authentic or if that was the original or whether that was added on over time to kind of maybe, I don't, I don't know, maybe they felt like, well, that's kind of like an abrupt ending. Maybe they kind of like filled in everybody else. We don't know, but we're going to end our time in Mark at verse 8. But Mark concludes with the completion of the mission. Jesus was crucified as foreshadowed and resurrected mission accomplished. But there's something interesting about this ending. Mark ends with a subtle mention of Peter. Right? He says, go tell the disciples and Peter. Because see, the last time we saw Peter in Mark, he was under fire, under pressure, saying, hey, aren't you one of those? Aren't you the Galilean? Aren't you one of his disciples? We saw you in the garden when he was arrested. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about, woman. And then he says, I think that's a direct quote. And then 
Finally, he asked, cursed, he brought curses upon himself from God. May God strike me dead if I'm lying. I don't know him. And the rooster crowed. He remembered what Jesus said. Jesus saw him. He saw Jesus, and it broke his heart, and he ran away weeping. That's the last time we saw Peter. And I love that God says, and go tell Peter. Tell Peter his story is not over. I'm going to preface, uh, gosh, I knew this was coming. All right, I'm going to do a little backstory. Can you, can you hang on for just like a minute, extra minute story? All right, so my favorite artist is NF, okay? And so he released a new album, and all, all these last few days, I've just been in my fields. It's been, it's been an emotional kind of thing, okay? If you want to know more about it, I'll tell you afterwards. But I was reflecting on this part of uh, this message, and I was like, oh, Lord, can I make it through? I think I will, because I said that to you. I think you're smiling and laughing at me, so now I can do this. Tell Peter that though he stumbled, he does not have to remain fallen. He did not have his last chance. God is not through with him yet. Broken Peter, who probably felt so failed, who probably thought at one point he was the greatest of them, probably feels he's among the lowest. Tell him. Make sure you tell Peter. We read in John's gospel account that Jesus speaks with Peter afterwards and he has this conversation with him. And I'm going to sum it up, that conversation, by saying, Jesus speaking to Peter, are you ready for what I have for you? I love that Jesus did not give up on Peter. He didn't just flunk him. He didn't pass that test in the moment. And God didn't say, you know what? You blew it. You blew it. Probably any of us would have done that. You failed me. You don't even want to say that you belong to me. But yet God didn't. And I've learned that our lows can prepare us for future highs. Or it could be the place where we remain buried. It could prepare us for future highs. Or it can be the low where we are buried and we stay. And Peter's low teaches us that it taught him and it prepared him to step up in future moments of pressure and heat. And that Jesus had more for Peter. And Peter said, Lord, I'm in all, all of me this time. You have all of me.
I love that his patience goes beyond what we would extend even to ourselves. I'll try to say that again. His patience... Man, I left my water somewhere. It's over there. His patience goes beyond what we would even extend to ourselves. His grace goes beyond what we would even give ourselves. His forgiveness goes beyond that. That's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for you. New life, that is the new life. A new way to live your life. And some of you may need a new beginning. Some of you may need a new beginning because you've lived your life and you realize there's got to be more. Or you feel the unforgiveness, you feel the weight of the, how you're living your life and you're realizing, you know what, I need more. Christ wants to give that to you. Some of you, you have the keys to the car. You've been a Christian. You believe in Christ, but you know what? You haven't even driven anywhere. You're still in park. Or perhaps you're back in reverse. You're going backwards. God's desire for you exceeds that. His desire for you goes beyond what you even desire for yourself. And I challenge you today to journey on this life with the Lord. Journey on the life that he has for you. Whatever low you are experiencing or have experienced or you feel like there's no help, what do we see Friday? What David realized when he was feeling that, he penned that psalm, when he felt the anguish, he felt like, you know what? Deliverance is far from me. He felt abandoned by God. He felt like, where is he? What did we see verses later? I trust in you because you delivered. You heard my cry. You heard my cry. I'll end with this and some lyrics to a song. It's not NF. It's a song called a, by a group named Abandon. It's several years old and it's titled Hero. And, and just read four lines. It says, there he goes, a hero, a savior to the world. Here he stands with scars in his hands. With love he gave his life so we can be free. The savior of the world. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord God, you are so, so good. It's kind of crazy beautiful how your body that was broken heals the brokenness in us. But it's only healed in us because you resurrected from the dead. You defeated death. You paid the price and the penalty for sin on our behalf so that we may live.
Not the old way, but live new. And not just on this earth, but in eternity, forever with you. And Lord, we praise you and celebrate you and thank you. And again, Lord, I believe you are holy, your Holy Spirit is speaking to hearts today, whether it's in person, online, in the future, whatever it may be. And Lord, I pray that they're hearing your voice loud and clear. That you love them. You want to forgive them. You paid the price for their sin. You can give them new life, a new journey, a new beginning. And may they say, Lord, I want that. I believe that. I receive that. We thank you for your love, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's, let's worship.